under Section 6502 of the Internal Revenue Code, that's the tax code, the IRS has 10 years from the date it assesses the tax to collect that tax. This is known as the statute of limitations on collections. Now, let me repeat that very carefully because this 10-year time limit has been misunderstood by many taxpayers as well as tax professionals that I've interacted with over the years. I'm going to repeat it, then break it down for you. The IRS has 10 years from the date it assesses a tax to collect that tax. So, let me ask you, dear audience, when does that 10-year clock start ticking? Does it start ticking in the year itself? Does all 2014 tax debt magically go away in 2024? No. Does it start ticking when you file a tax return for a tax year? No. The 10-year clock starts ticking when the IRS assesses a tax. But because people don't really know what that means, they kind of come up with their own definitions. They think, oh, that must mean from the date of the year itself, or that must mean from the date when I filed the return. Well, no, that's... Neither of those are true. It's from the date the IRS assesses a tax. Now, the most common way that tax is assessed, or rather the most common basis for assessment of income taxes in this country is the filing of a tax return by a taxpayer. So you file your tax return, let's say, on April 15th. Your tax isn't assessed on April 15th, okay? It will probably actually be assessed a few weeks later, okay? Three to six weeks later. You file a return on April 15th, you'll probably have an assessment date. It'll probably be assessed sometime in May, okay? Assessment, by the way, is the official recording of the liability on the government's books. IRS does this in their software, fancy computer programs. I don't know if they're actually that fancy. I hear they're kind of outdated, but anyway. Something in an IRS computer, right? Certain date assesses the tax, that's your assessment date. That is the date that the IRS's 10-year clock starts ticking. Okay? So theoretically, if you filed, let's go way back. Let's go back to 2012. Let's say you filed your 2012 return, April 15, 2013. Let's say the IRS assessed it uh, five weeks later. Let's say into May, I don't know, May 25th, I don't know. May 25th, 2023. Or May 25th, 2013. That means the original drop-off date for that debt is May 25th, 2023. After that drop-off date, okay, once that drop-off date, which is called the Collection Statute Expiration Date, CSED for short, once that has passed, the IRS cannot solicit any more payments for that tax liability or engage in any collections activity for that tax. The IRS can no longer collect that tax. For all intents and purposes, for you as a taxpayer, that tax is done, done, donezo. Okay. Uh, natural question. How do I know my assessment date? Well, for one thing, you can pull your account transcript or you can just call the IRS asking when's my assessment date. And if you get a really smart IRS rep and you ask them what's my CSED date, my collection statute expiration date for this year, they might tell you, but they may not know either. Uh, you can also pull something called the tax mod A, uh, which will show you the uh, your CSED date as well. For a given year. Those are the most common ways to figure out your CSA date for a year. But I, I, before we get off the CSA date thing and, and talk about uh, ways that the 10 years can be extended, because yes, they can be extended, uh, I, I want to show you something. And that is this. 
Uh, the tre TIGTA, Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, review of the IRS Independent Office of Appeal Collection Due Process Program, July 2023. Uh, what I want to show you is, oh, maybe this is, oh, they redacted it. Oh my gosh. Why do they redact it? Okay, may, I, it, was in another, it was in another report uh, by TIGTA. Um, but, but, and it was actually not this, this recent, it was a few months before this. Um, but check this out in this report, it says right here, uh, TICTA reviewed a statistically valid stratified sample of a hundred, uh, maybe that's not right. Uh, what did I just do? Sorry. Oh, wait, no, here it is. In addition, similar to prior audits, TICTA identified incorrect Incorrect collection statute expiration date. C said date posting errors. And I know in another report I saw this said 18, 18 of 106, which is 20% of 106, sampled taxpayer cases in which the IRS either incorrectly extended the C said, allowing the IRS additional time to collect the delinquent taxes, or incorrectly shortened the C said, resulting in the IRS having less time to collect uh, the delinquent taxes. Um, Based on our sample results, TICTA estimates that something redacted and 1,790 taxpayer accounts had their CSEDs incorrectly extended and shortened, respectively, during fiscal year 2022. Okay, so what I'm saying is um, the IRS can make mistakes. Oh, shocker, my word, the IRS makes mistakes. Yes, the IRS can make mistakes. Um, and they can make mistakes with what in the calculation of the CSED date. Okay. So just FYI, uh, always good to check your own CSEDs, right? To make, to, if you know how to calculate it correctly, you'll be able to calculate it and then compare it to what the IRS is saying. Um, now, you might be asking, how could the IRS get this wrong? It knows when it assesses the tax. It knows what 10 years after that date is. How could it get this wrong? And the answer is this. Hate to burst the bubble here but the CESA date can be extended. The 10-year statute of limitations can be extended. It can be told is a technical term. And as a matter of fact, on our Choice Tax Relief um, website, we have uh, an article about IRS statutes limitations. And now this is the statute on assessment. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the statute of limitations on collections. And I have a little chart here of common events that um, toll or extend the statute of limitations. Okay. So uh, let's take, uh, let's take offer and compromise, right? Cause we love talking about offers and compromise on this channel. So this says the statute of limitation on the collection is told. That means paused during pendency of the offer and compromise plus 30 days. Right? So, so what does this mean? Um, this means that, let's go back to our example, 2012 tax debt. Originally would drop off um, in 2020, uh, filed on April 15, 2013, assessed by the IRS May 25th, 20, 2013. That's what I said, right? So would have dropped off May 25th, 2023, which is in the past now. Ah, but let's say that you filed an offer in compromise for this tax debt. And let's say that maybe you went to a less than scrupulous provider uh, who screwed up your offer in compromise and got rejected and so sad. 
Well, not only are you out of the thousands of dollars you paid that preparer to submit that offer and compromise, not only are you out of your down payment amount for that offer and compromise, but in submitting this offer in compromise, by submitting this offer, your CSA date uh, for this tax year, right? I'm assuming because this tax year would have been included in the offer, uh, is now extended. It's, it, it's extended during the pendency of the offer in compromise plus 30 days. Okay. So you know that whole time that the IRS, after you submit an offer in compromise and the IRS sits on it for months and months and months? Yeah. That's the pendency of the, of the offer in compromise. Uh, for a while, it was taking the IRS like a year to get to reviewing offers in compromise. Thank God it's, it's a bit short, it's shorter than that now. But let's say it took the year for the IRS from the time they received it said, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this is the, we're going to review this offer and compromise to the time they actually review it and then rejected it. Okay. That's the whole pendency period. Let's say it took a year, right? So it'd be a year plus 30 days. So like 365 days plus 30 days is like 395 days, right? So now instead of May 25th, 2023, CSED date, the CSA date is now, uh, you know, sometime in June, somewhere around June 25th, 2024, right? May 25th, 2024 for the year that I was sitting on it plus 30 days, which is sometime in June. Okay, so, so you, you kind of see how this works. And this is how the CSA days can get wonky, right? Because, you know, the IRS might not have you know, coded something correctly that caused them to think the CSEDs actually, you know, was told for longer than it actually was uh, or shorter than it actually was. Um, other things can uh, told a statute, bankruptcy. Statute is told during pendency of the bankruptcy during which the IRS cannot collect uh, from the taxpayer uh, due to automatic stand collections plus six months. Um, we have installment agreement. Uh, statute is told during the pendency of the installment agreement plus 30 days, kind of similar to an offer and compromise. But with an installment agreement, right, if you've just set it up, um, you know, yourself in a phone call and it's it's approved, right, streamlined, let's say, don't know very much, you know, it's, it's not going to be a very long pendency. You know, it might be told for like 32 days or something, like 31 days or 32 days or something like that, right? But, you know, installment agreements, IRS can sit on them for some time, you know, if it's more kind of you know, if, if it's not like a streamlined one and, you know, so that pendency, the installment agreement can, uh, can be a long time. Well, not, not as long as like an offer pendency, but it, you know, it, I've seen it for like weeks, months when they're sitting on it. Um, you know, file a CDP hearing, right. Uh, you know, you get your, your LT 11, um, uh, file notice of intent to levy, right. Certified mail. Um, this is one of the notices that is required to be sent by the IRS uh, before they levy you, right? There's a CP14, um, which is the notice in demand, right? Here's the here's what you owe, and we're demanding that you pay it by such date. There's the CP504, which is uh, notice of intent to levy. Uh, the CP504, that's a stat notice as well. The IRS must send you that kind of notice or equivalent. Um, uh, and then the LT11, which is the final notice of intent to levy, it 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 tells you your your CDP rights, collection due process, hearing rights. That's that's also required uh, for the IRS to inform you of that um, before it subjects you to levy. And there's other kinds of uh, I gave the most common uh, you know form numbers: CP14, CP504, you know LT11. Uh, if you're an ACS, 
right? Uh, but you know, if you're with an RO, it might it'll probably be a different one, or you know, other circumstances might be a different one. But you know, LT11 is the most common uh, for folks in ACS, which is the IRS's automated collection system. Um, you know, and that notice it, it 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 gives you your CDP rights, which is like saying, hey, we're going to start taking your stuff, garnish your wages, uh, levy your bank accounts, take all your other goodies. But wait, uh, you have 30 days to file for a CDP hearing uh, with IRS appeals, okay? And, um, you know, at the CDP hearing, you'll basically argue your case for why the IRS shouldn't take your stuff, basically. Um, it's more complicated than that, right? We would, you know, put together a plan, a choice to actually, if you hired us, we would put together a, a plan. Um, okay, great. It looks like, you know, um, partial payment installment agreement. Okay, let's start putting things things together. Um, uh, but so that will kind of put off collection action, uh, until, you know, appeals makes this decision, but this whole process of, uh, filing for a CDP hearing, uh, tolls the statute. Uh, so statute, uh, let me go back to my thing here. Statute is told from the time the IRS receives a P CDP hearing request on form 12153 to the date the taxpayer withdraws the request or until the date that the determination for appeals and the hearing becomes final, including any judicial, uh, appeals. Also, if you're overseas, we get a lot of folks from overseas, and uh, you know they've been overseas for a while, and they go to renew their passport, and uh, they can't do it because their tax debt has been certified as seriously delinquent by the IRS or the State Department. Can't renew their passport. That sucks. And um, you know, and, and they're thinking, "Wow, gee, I've been abroad for like more than ten years. Hasn't my tax debt dropped off now?" Now, uh, the statute is told while a taxpayer is outside the United States if they are outside the United States for at least six months continuously. Additionally, the statute will be extended so that when the taxpayer returns to the United States, the government has at least six months to collect from the taxpayer. Note that the IRS's determination to adjust the CSED for taxpayers abroad is affected by how cooperative the taxpayer is. So, so in the Internal Revenue Manual, I mean, I'm not going to get, um, you know, to... In, into this right now, but like it kind of describes like cooperative taxpayers versus non-cooperative non-cooperative taxpayers abroad. You know how they respond to IRS notices, things like that. So this whole taxpayer abroad, you know, CSET adjustment is 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 uh, there's some discretion at, on the IRS's part uh, there in terms of how cooperative um, the taxpayer has been. Um, so yeah, well, what other questions can we talk about about CSEDs? Um, if the IRS files a, an SFR for you, that's a, a substitute for return. That's, you know, if you don't file a tax return for a given year, uh, the IRS can do a return for you. Look up tax code 6020. Um, and uh, they can assess tax against you based on that SFR, that substitute for return. And they can take collection action activity against you based on that assessment, based on that SFR. So I got to file your tax returns, and if you haven't, IRS is probably going to probably going to catch up to you at some point. Um, so from the date of the assessment, based on that SFR, right, the date the tax is assessed based on the SFR, that that gets the ten year clock ticking. Okay, so just so you know, because the tax was assessed, right? It was ten years from the date of assessment. Um, now let's say. Okay, so that's SFRs. Here's another issue we just had with a client. Um, a tax year can have like two CSEDs, okay? Oh, mind blown. 
multiple seasons. So, uh, taxpayer filed a return, and we did not prepare this return. This was from like 10 years ago, not 10 years, but like eight years ago, a long time ago. Um, and they didn't report some 1099s, right? IRS came in, you know, sent them the notices and said, hey, you didn't report these 1099s and, uh, you know, notice of deficiency, blah, blah, blah. They assessed the tax, right? They didn't open any of their mail, right? Um, and so they assessed additional tax. So th- picture this. The taxpayer filed their return, right, for 2015 or whatever this was, right? IRS assessed a tax based on that return. Let's say they filed it on April 15th, right? 20, 2016, let's say IRS assessed the tax May 25th, 2026. I don't know why I like May 25th, just popped into my mind. So that's assessment one for that tax year. But then let's say, uh, you know, two years down the line, right, there's an audit or there's a CP2000 and then it eventually leads to a notice of deficiency and it's not responded to and the IRS assesses the tax, right, for this unreported 1099. Um, then there's a new assessment of tax, and there'll probably be penalties as well for underreported income. There were in this client's case. So now this tax year has, has two different assessments of tax and uh, therefore two different C-sets, right? And there's penalties and interest too. It's kind of a different story. But um, so this tax year ha- has uh, had now two different assessments of tax and two different C-sets for those two different assessments. And this kind of tripped up ACS when we were calling them because we were trying to get the taxpayer into an installment agreement at a certain amount. Uh, but they thought, um, oh no, we can't do that amount because that would be, you know, a part pay. Uh, we have to do a higher amount because we have CSET issues, right? But they didn't appreciate that some of the tax debt for this year, uh, the CSET was actually, you know, a few years later because of that second assessment for the unre- underreported uh, income, underreporter issue due to the 1099. Okay, I'm probably getting too much um, I- into the deed, uh, into the weeds here. Um, so, you know, one last thing I want to say is if you happen to make a payment for a year after the CSET has passed, uh, the IRS will apply that payment in its discretion, which is usually in the best interest of the government, uh, to another outstanding liability or liabilities um, on your account. And if there are no other outstanding liabilities in your account, they, they will attempt to contact you um, to see, you know, if you want the payment applied to future tax liabilities or if you just want uh, the payment returned to you. If the IRS cannot reach you, they should return uh, the payment to you. So anyway, this video is getting to be like almost 19 minutes. I don't want to like spend too much time on CSEDs, collection statute, expiration date, statute limitations. If you have any questions about the IRS's statute limitation on collection, please leave them in a comment below. If you have a tax debt issue, you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes. Uh, you can reach out to us here at Choice Tax Relief, 866-8000-TAX. That's 866-8000-829. Uh, Fill out the form at our website, choicetaxrelief.com. One of my tax consultants will reach out to you. I also have some other lovely tax relief videos on the left-hand side of your screen. All right, folks, hope to hear from you soon, and I'll see you soon in the next video. Bye-bye.